Welcome to the Middle East Report Special Edition. I'm John Riley. The Middle East, that is one part of the world that we need to pay attention to, especially the country of Israel, and especially right now with an ongoing war there in the land of Israel. And each week, I try to help you make sense of what's happening in that region through a biblical lens. Security threats, archaeological discoveries, biblical prophecy, those are just some of the things that we cover. And of course, the main purpose of the Middle East Report Special Edition is to encourage you to read, study, and apply the Word of God in your life. And I believe that the best way to do that is to connect to the people, places, and geography of what we read in God's Word. And we're going to do exactly that today. We are going to go directly to the land of Israel and talk to a dear friend of mine, Jonathan Feldstein, who heads up Genesis 1, 2, 3. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us directly from the land of Israel. Well, John, you're welcome. It's always a pleasure, but mostly just when you introduce me as a good friend, because I, you know, back at you and I'm just always happy to be in touch. Yeah, we have been uh, good friends for quite a while now, and I saw you in Jerusalem several months ago, and I do appreciate your ministry. And of course, we're going to talk about, you know, what's happening there in the land of Israel right now and the heartbreak that all Israel is feeling right now as a result of that ongoing war. I wanted to start off by having you tell us about what Genesis 1, 2, 3 is and, and what you guys do there in the land of Israel. Yeah, thank you, John. So the Genesis 1, 2, 3 Foundation is the is its full proper name. Anyone is welcome to check out, uh, check out the website um, and see specifically what we're doing and be in touch at Genesis123.co. But when we established the Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation, we did so with the mission of building bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel, and we say in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. So uh, so we launched the very first Christian program around the Jerusalem Marathon called Run for Zion, which has been a great success, intermittent over the years when tourists have been able to actually come here since 2017. We have a, pro- well, you know this, I'm, a, I'm the host of, of the Inspiration from Zion podcast, which is nice. A lot of people do podcasting, but I'm the only Orthodox Jew to host a weekly program about Israel from Israel on the Charisma Podcast Network. And your listeners know that uh, Charisma is one of the main evangelical media networks. So they've got 300 plus other Christian podcast hosts than me, which is a lot of fun. And we've done all kinds of prayer events and um, gatherings, virtual, in-person, all over the world. I made my first trip to Africa earlier this year. I made my first trip to Germany uh, earlier this year, which as as a Jew who was the descendant of people who survived the Holocaust was was strangely surprising, and that's probably for uh, surprisingly uh, um, inspiring is the word I meant, and that's uh, probably a different conversation. But what we try to do is actually create meaningful relationships, not simply do what I call out, which is the monetization of of Christians as a faith-based ATM. Christians, you know this, your listeners know this, Christians stand with Israel in general, especially now during the war, but it's not okay for Jews and Israelis, or Christians for that matter, to be just simply uh, priming the pump to get money out with no relationship, no tra- just making it transactional. So I try to make things relational, I try to build genuine, uh, deep relations, and thank God that's something that um, that, that 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 is is my world, and I'm and I'm blessed by that. 
Well, you do that in an amazing way. And of course, Genesis123.co is where you can go. Okay, Genesis123, that's obviously a reference to the scripture. Correct. And it's it's easier to say Genesis123 instead of Genesis123 and figure people figure out how to punctuate that in a website. So it's the Genesis123 Foundation. And you and I are old enough to remember the Jackson 5, uh, their song ABC, Easy as 123. So I want to make... Blessing Israel as easy as one, two, three. I love that. People can read that scripture. All right, your family lives there in the land of Israel. Tell us where you live. And of course, even as we're having this conversation right now, rockets uh, can fly at any moment there uh, in your area. So, you know, I know you've got the Red Alert app uh, on your phone, so we want you to be careful, but uh, a lot going on there. Tell us where you live and, and about your family and, you know, what it's like living there in a war zone. Sure. So, yeah, my first experience living in a war zone like this ever, um, very different from 2006 and the other operations that we've had. We live in Afrat, which is a a community just south of Jerusalem in the the Judean mountains. I call it the uh, original Bible Belt. Um, You haven't, well, you've been here, but you haven't been here with me yet. But when you come back and others come and visit, I like to take people to show them actual biblical sites that are just literally off the beaten path. Um, which is quite amazing to, to be able to do that. We are 40 miles north and east of the Gaza Strip. So when we've had, and actually today, there were dozens of rockets that just pounded the north a little while ago. Um, I haven't followed the news to hear what happened as a result of that, but there were rockets also being fired in our direction. And I thought, oh, I hope this doesn't mess up my interview with John um, because they were coming in this direction. Fortunately, at the moment, that's not happened. Um, but we have had more than our share of rockets that have been fired here on the first day of the war. That's what woke us up out of bed. And 40 miles as the crow flies means it's 45 to 50 miles at least from where they're shooting the rockets. So we're talking about their relatively long range devices that have a bigger uh, impact and a bigger warhead and have much more explosive material. Um, But I'll tell you, just the, actually, just the other day, last week, um, we had an air raid siren. Just as I pulled out of town, we had an air raid siren. I saw it on my Red Alert app. I saw that all my family started to ask everyone where everyone else was. And I discovered that half a mile behind me, where I had just driven, is where a rocket actually landed in an open space. And then I heard an explosion overhead as I was stopped at a light. And I was able to snap a picture of what the Iron Dome had done and shot down two rockets. Uh, now, ironically, if if listeners understand the geography at all or, or want to check it out in between Ephrat and Jerusalem is a town that most people have heard of called Bethlehem. This rocket was on the trajectory to hit Bethlehem, an Arab city, a Palestinian Arab city. Um, the rock, the iron dome intercepted those. So that's the, the, the place we live. We live among Palestinian Arabs. It's a little hairy right now. Nobody wants to be around Palestinian Arabs. Um, we live across the valley from where what's called the Workers' Gate. We're on a normal day before October 7th. Um, hundreds of Palestinian Arabs would come into our town to work. Um, I joke that they're more on an average work day. They're, they're more Arab men in Ifrat than there are Jewish men because the Jewish men commute out of Ifrat to go to work and the Arab men come into Ifrat to go to work. That's a different conversation. Um, but right now, their economy has been impacted. Our economy has been impacted. And all of that is because on October 7th, we had 300,000 people called up into the army, including my son, including my son-in-law. 
That's how we found out what was going on because it was Shabbat. We were offline, and that's what's ma- that's what's making us um, quite nervous, quite scared. The anger about what happened still uh, persists, and the grief today. It's just just a, over a month now since all of this happened, and there's still tremendous grief here in the country. And there's been an economic slowdown because of, of the 300,000 who were called up, 360,000 showed up on top of the standing army, which means we have a, an operating army right now that's in excess of 5% of the population. It's really to, it, it, the, the, the trickle-down effect, and I could speak about this in many, many different ways, in my family, in the prices of groceries, in, in deliveries, in no traffic because no one's on the road, and many, many other things the impact is really felt widely, and I've never experienced anything like it. I don't think people realize the total impact. I mean, we hear about what's going on in Gaza with uh, the ongoing war there, but then the impact on the general population of Israel, as you mentioned. And as you were talking, Jonathan, uh, you know, you mentioned that, you know, rockets flying even into the Bethlehem area, which is predominantly Arab. So I guess we can say with confidence that Hamas just doesn't care if it's Arabs or Jewish people that they kill. Would that be an accurate description? Not only is it accurate, Hamas celebrates the death of anybody because they blame Israel for the death of whether it's if, if their rocket had hit Manger Square in Bethlehem, they would have somehow blamed Israel. And much of the world media and ridiculous people around the world would have would have lapped it up like Jim Jones Kool Aid, and and wouldn't have thought for a moment that 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 um, w- wasn't realistic. And and when and, and we are seeing horrific images coming from Gaza. I'm not going to dis- dismiss that. I challenge a lot of the propaganda coming from Gaza, but but there are horrific images, and there is suffering going on. But. Hamas loves the suffering and they put their people in in the way to to be human shields or chattel when Israeli uh, rockets strike. And, and they, we know that they're hiding under hospitals and in mosques. And that's why we're seeing the kind of destruction that we're seeing now, because we have to take out the terrorists where they are, even if they're hiding in um, in highly populated areas. And that's why Israel's gone in on the ground with ground forces to be more precise and not just carpet bomb the place like the like was done in Germany at the end of the Second World War, like was done in Japan with the nuclear weapons, like like was done in uh, in Vietnam and other and other places around the world. Honestly, that's a very legitimate. It's a very legitimate um, military strategy because when you have such total destruction, you ultimately prevent things from going on much further as they uh, as they might. Well, I just saw some images coming out of Gaza from one of the main hospitals there, I believe in the northern part of Gaza. And Israel just released the intelligence on this and they showed the Hamas tunnel right next to the hospital and... Hamas, these demonic people just coming in and out of the tunnel. They have got tunnels underneath the hospital, and as you said, as as human shields. They're using the hospital as a human shield. This is horrific. This is uh, just terrible with what's going on there. And Israel is just trying to wage uh, an information war that's going on because, as you said, you know, the rest of the world is like blaming Israel, and yet Hamas using 
people as human shields. It is absolutely horrific. Right. And when and the rest of the world is not following what we are following on a daily basis, then it literally is a daily basis with more and more soldiers being killed in the ground operation. Um, and and that, that touches us close to home because if it's actually my son told me he was home for Shabbat. He told me that one of his soldiers, somebody who he trained, who's now just who, who was just finishing his obligatory military service was killed in northern Gaza recently. And my son-in-law told me that one of his soldiers was killed on the first day of the war. So it's close to home. My son also, who's 25 next month, um, had a high school classmate killed on the first day of this uh, of this war. It's real close to home. And people, when they when they see the images from Gaza and know that Israeli troops and tanks are on the ground, they need to know that we're doing that for precision and in order to save Palestinian Arab lives and put our own soldiers' lives at risk. But as we get closer to those d- terrorist dens under the hospitals, unfortunately, we're probably going to see many, many more military casualties on our side because we're not going in and blowing up the hospital where the terrorists are. Jonathan, we're hearing a lot in the news, and especially from the Biden administration, that there should be a, quote, pause for humanitarian relief. Can you just share, you know, your thoughts about that, if, if that should occur or what you think should happen regarding, quote, a humanitarian relief pause in the war? Anytime anyone hears the word pause, they should think of the 240 plus hostages, most of whom are civilians, who are kidnapped brutally and and and, and tortured in many cases, if not most cases, um, by the Hamas terrorists who kidnap them and are holding them hostage in Gaza. Um, no, there should be no pause. Um, this is a total war. This needs to be a war of, of destroying Hamas. And and there are people in the Biden administration who are still saying that. And thank God, uh, thank God for that. Because I understand the left wing of the party and the anti, uh, anti-Israel anti wing of the party. And there are many um, that want an all-out stop and, and, and pushing Israel back um, to a situation where Hamas could continue to threaten us. That can't happen. And until someone, someone posited recently, until the United Nations or the Red Cross has the right to see the hostages, there should be no pause. No, from my perspective, seeing the hostages is not enough. You want humanity. If you really care about the two million people in Gaza, whose whose resources you've hijacked, whose whose uh, society you've raped and pillaged over the better part of two decades, if you really care about them suffering because they don't have things that you've hoarded, hundreds of uh, hundreds of, of of thousands of liters of diesel fuel. That are hoarded. The, the Hamas recently stole diesel fuel from a UN facility, while the UN, of course, is blaming Israel for such things. The 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 the, the um, duplicity, the paradox, is is absurd. And no, there should not be a humanitarian pause until until at least all of the hostages are released, every single one, and there remains. In this country, Jonathan, we are seeing. Uh, these protesters, these, I, I guess we would call them uh, terrorist protesters. I mean, I don't know how else to to phrase it, but they are supporting this demonic Hamas there and what they did. And I guess the only thing I can say is they're terrorists. And we're seeing this as recent as just, uh, you know, not too long ago when we had this massive protest 
in Washington, D.C. They were, they were shaking the, the gates there at the White House. And, of course, often you hear from the river to the sea. This is what they are chanting. What does that really mean? And maybe your thoughts about some of these protesters that are coming a- across all, all our nation here in the United States. You know, it's funny. My sister-in-law and brother are visiting from America right now, and we were talking about this over Shabbat, and they're horrified. They live in they live in the states, and um, they're horrified and they're afraid of what's going on in America right now. And they were joking. I had not heard this before. From the river to the sea, um, some people have spun it off to sound like a Barney song. I love you, you love me. From the river to the sea, um, but from the river to the sea means genocide of all the Jewish people. It means destroying. Israel, not just as a state, but pushing the Jewish people into the sea. And that is genocide. And that is obscene. And and the fact that anyone can say that and not, it, whether they know what it means or not, they are aiding and abetting terrorists. They are, they are, um, they are condoning genocide for which they blame us. And I, and I shared with you just before we, we went on air that I, I wrote an, uh, an article recently in response to somebody who's who was uh, calling Israel a, a apartheid state, doing racial, uh, excuse me, ethnic cleansing and and genocide. We oh, the the best line that this that this woman, a law student in some school, I don't know where, I don't know her name, and that's just as well. She said Israel has committed multiple genocides, and I kind of laughed at that because genocide means eliminating a people. Now. So you can't commit multiple genocides on the same people, number one. That's absurd. And number two, if Israel has committed genocide, however you look at it, the Palestinian Arab population has grown. And when they live in peace, they prosper, as has the Israeli Arab population grown and living in peace and prospering. So no, there's no genocide and there's no ethnic cleansing. And when people chant river to the sea, they need to know that it means a land from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea that is free of Jews. Well, that's what uh, their goal is. They want to completely destroy the Jewish people. There is no doubt about that. And uh, we need to really, really pray for everything that's going on there in the land of Israel. We're talking to Jonathan Feldstein. Uh, He is with Genesis 1-2-3, and you can find out more about Genesis 1-2-3 when you go to genesis123.co, genesis123.co. And Jonathan, I really do believe that this is a spiritual warfare. I mean, obviously it's physical, but it's a spiritual warfare as, as well that's going on in the heavenlies. From, from the beginning of time, it just seems that demonic forces have wanted to destroy the people of Israel because, I believe, of the covenant that was given to the Jewish people for the land. And uh, I really believe that it, that it stems from a, a spiritual, demonic foundation of what's going on here. 100%. And, 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 and that's another thing that people need to know. I'm glad you mentioned that, John, because this is from the beginning of time. This is, this is j- hatred of Jews who are God's chosen people. Not that we're better. I'm not saying that. But we are, we are special. We have a special, unique relationship with God and, and revealing God to the world and and and. Our relationship, Jews and Christians together. I, I did a podcast uh, recording the other day, and I, I I was edgy, and I said to my Christian guests, "How do you feel the fact that you're you're not Jewish, but being grafted in as part of the Jewish people through the same covenant?" Well, my Jewish my my, my Christian guests had never 
heard me heard a Jewish person actually using that term and affirming it, which I do. But this is a spiritual battle. It is black and white. It is the battle of good versus evil, and there's no there's no there's no gray in the middle. Um, I'm sorry that we got to this situation. I'm sorry that 1,400 people were butchered on uh, October 7th and thousands more injured. And we've seen, I don't even know how many thousands or tens of thousands of rockets and the terrorism and the, and the fear and the trauma that this is creating throughout the country. And it is, but now we're in a situation where it's black and white and Jews and Christians who are the only faith people in the world who worship the creator, not just the same God, because he's only one God, who worship the creator of the universe, who understand the special relationship that we have with him through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not Ishmael. This is a spiritual thing, and uh, there's no question about it, and people should not ever hesitate in or, or equivocate in the, that realization. And, you know, we, uh, as, as Christians, those of you listening owe a great debt to the Jewish people. Now, when you think about it, the uh, scriptures that you read, both the, 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 the Hebrew scriptures, or we would call that the Old Testament, which I don't like that term, or the New Testament, all written by Jewish people. Uh, Jesus was Jewish, and the disciples were Jewish. So, you know, there is a great deal of debt that uh, we owe to the Jewish people. We need to pray for them. We need to stand with them. And on that note, how can we practically stand with the Jewish people? I know that uh, your organization does a lot to help the people there in Israel. The country is shut down right now, and our families in need of help there in the land of Israel, and if so, how? Yeah, there are a lot of people in need. Um, first of all, we need your prayers. We covet your prayers. We need prayers. We need prayers for the soldiers who are fighting um, and for their families that they've left behind. We need prayers for those who are... Who's, who, who's the families of those whose graves are still fresh, where the dirt hasn't even settled, um, and their grief, um, and for those who are, who are still recovering, whether in the hospital from the attack of October 7th uh, or, or, or more recent a- a- attacks, um, we need prayers for their families. We need prayers for the families of the hostages and the hostages themselves. Um, my son-in-law walked in a moment ago to my office. He tapped on the door. He's in his uniform. He got out yesterday for 36 hours to went, go home to my, uh, to my daughter and, and three grandchildren. Um, and we need prayers for the families, the mothers who are left behind holding up, not just the home front, but managing everything, including their, the, the child's um, trauma and how, and how to deal with it from a one-year-old and a three-year-old and a five-year-old up to teenagers who are all understanding what's going on and, and living with fear. And we've also in- instituted uh, the Israel emergency campaign, so people can donate practically and no and donate to something that has integrity with trust and and we have four main pillars that I'll just go to quickly. One is supporting soldiers um, with non-lethal needs, but anything that they can. We've we've been able to purchase um, a number of uh, ceramic bulletproof vests, which are critical because there is a shortage, and that's scary when you have two people you love who are in combat units. We're supporting civilian. Uh, security in communities like mine and along the Lebanese border and along the Gaza border um, because they've basically been told by the army, this is what you need to do, now go do it. But there's no budget. So when we step up and are providing resources for these communities, it's we've done some great things, but it's not enough. Uh, we, we just finished last week the uh, p- paying for three weeks 
of several dozen families who fled their Gaza border community six miles north of Gaza. Um, they needed to be relocated in Jerusalem. They couldn't exist. They're, they live in an old community, so their homes don't even have bomb shelters. And they were, there were rockets going off dozens and dozens and dozens of times a day. We gave them a respite, and it's much safer, and they've gone back now. That's Jonathan Feldstein. He is the founder of Genesis 1, 2, 3, and you can visit their organization to find out more and about how you can get involved, genesis123.co. Hey, Jonathan, before uh, I let you go there uh, in in the land of Israel where you are right now, uh, what does it mean to you to have so many um, Christians, you know, around the world and here in the country of the United States helping the Jewish people in this time of need? I consider myself blessed and uniquely privileged because every day I'm interfacing with Christians all over the world who are standing with us and praying for us and supporting us and, and who do so unconditionally. And that's incredible. For me, building bridges, it's imperative that I make sure that my Jewish friends know that that love is real and firm because it's so encouraging. Um, so yeah, people, to every Christian listening right now, pray your prayers, your donations of a dollar, you're standing with Israel, you're making sure that your elected officials are standing with Israel, and you shouting back down the pro-Hamas demonstrators, the people who, who aid in a bet terror, Anything you can do is strengthening and encouraging to all of us, and I'm grateful. Those are some great words from Jonathan Feldstein. He is the founder of uh, Genesis 123, and you can find out more about what they do, genesis123.co. Jonathan, thank you for your time, and stay safe there with you, your family, and we know Israel will uh, get the victory there very, very soon. Thank you, John. God bless you. Let's continue to pray for everything going on there in the land of Israel. I have a direct connection to the land of Israel. My mother was Jewish. She was born in the country of Morocco into a large Jewish family. 20 brothers and sisters, half of them died in Morocco. The other half moved to Israel. So I've got family from the top of Israel all the way down to the bottom of the country. And I am in constant contact with them, praying for them and staying in touch. And of course, they're going through so much right now. They need our prayers. And I want to encourage you, there is a great movement that is going on right now around the world, globalesterfast.com globalesterfast.com and you can go to that website and you can find out more about how you can practically pray for everything that's going on there in the land of Israel. You will be joining literally millions of people around the world and I love what they have done on this website in that they have given you some practical ways to pray for the children of Israel. So please check out that website globalesterfast.com globalesterfast.com. It's put out by a lot of different ministries and organizations, but especially one that I love so much, the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem. And you can find out more about that organization as well when you go to globalesterfast.com, globalesterfast.com. And I hope that uh, as an intercessor, you will go to that website and join literally millions around the world. Again, I want to thank you for listening to the Middle East Report Special Edition. And don't forget, you can download a podcast to this show wherever you get your podcast. We're on all the major podcast platforms out there like Google and Spotify and iTunes. And it really does help when you go to those podcast platforms and follow me there, whatever one that you follow. 
whatever one that you have on your, your mobile device. So I encourage you to do that. And we are also available on AFR.net. Click on the podcast tab and look for the Middle East Report. I'm John Riley. Thank you for listening.